0: Welcome to the podcast of Mosaic Church, celebrating diversity within community. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. One of the things, let's pray real quick. God, as we come to a familiar text, would you breathe new life, let it not be dead words that we have mostly memorized, but God, would you speak to us afresh this morning as we trust that what you said is true, that this is the living word, and it's not dead, and it still moves us today. Name, we pray God, amen. Christmas is a time where we often talk about generosity, and a lot of churches just leave it at that. We just it's the only time we really want to talk about it, unless we get into a situation where we uh, need money and then we kind of bring it up again. Um, and it's kind of an uncomfortable conversation at times because um, we're talking about being generous. And what does being generous imply? It usually implies us having to give something. And that's absolutely true. But this morning we want to look at it from perspective of the Bible where we learn a couple of lessons from this story that's really popular around Advent. And so we going to talk about three specific things regarding generosity. And the first one that we can learn from this story is that generosity multiplies. Now, here's what we don't see in the story. We don't actually see generosity multiplying in the story. We could go to plenty of other places in Scripture where it does. What we do see, however, is the opposite. Uh, We see the fact that when there was not generosity... Uh, nothing happened. In fact, it just kind of brought death. And so what happens in this story is Herod believes this false narrative. Herod wrongly assumes that this idea of kingship is a zero-sum game. Meaning that if something happens, if somebody is king, that means he is not. He could not see a place where he could be a king and that God could be a king. Now, we move forward 2,000 years, we can easily see. We elect leaders who are in positions of power. There are people who still have a title of king throughout the earth, and that does not negate the fact that God is king over all the earth. But for Herod, he could not live in a world or exist in a world where there was another king. And so he assumed that if he was king, no one else could be, and if someone else was, that he could not be. And so Herod thought this was all like a zero sum kind of scenario. And that's not how anything in the world works, right? I mean, now there are narratives out there that tell us that's different, that, that that is different. But we know when we rationally think about it, you know, we've had recently movements that say black lives matter and people get all bent out of shape say, so, well, my life matters too. Nobody said your life didn't matter. It's not a zero-sum game. It's not that if Friar's life matters, Willie's life doesn't all of a sudden. And so we believe these stories that say that everything is zero-sum. I mean, we kind of get that in, in the news media all the time about different things. If this person's right, this person has to be wrong. There is no way for two people to be Right? and not come to the same conclusion. It's impossible to zero sum. That's not true. Herod falsely believed this as well. As a result, instead of being generous with what he had, what did Herod have? Herod had power, right? Instead of being generous with that power, Herod tried to cling to a little bit of what he had, and it was eventually taken from him. And you can read that story later on. Herod had no intention of worshiping Jesus, so we know that, because the Spirit of God came to these wise men in a dream and said, hey, take off a different direction. And so they did. We know Herod's really ultimate idea was to kill this one king that had just been born, because that meant for him that if he got rid of anybody else that could be a threat to his power, that now he stays in power. And so he ended up just bringing death to the region, right? He He just killed every child that had been born uh, less than two years ago. Every male child. Can you imagine being a parent in that scenario? was that a less than generous king who came. Now, we're going to pair uh, Herod with Jesus a little bit. What Herod didn't understand was that occasionally you can lose a little bit to gain a lot. When I was much younger than I am now, because I don't even know because of the way my wrists are now, Somewhat deformed in their uh, the way they can move i can 't really move my wrists a whole lot because i broke them when I was younger i can 't even probably do a push up but I used to be really strong in fact, my junior year in high school I won the state strength meet South Carolina I have a medal to prove it. <laughs> But one of the things that would happen, and I used to, i was the only reason I was ever any good at athletics and sports, is because I enjoyed the weight I loved the weight room. It was a place where I could go, where I always saw progress. And I loved that. You know, five pounds heavier this week. You know, ten pounds heavier now. I loved that. Constantly seeing progress. I thought it was awesome. So I just enjoyed the weight room. I was that weird guy who, like, really enjoyed that thing. But one thing I hated. Uh, in the summertime, you go on a you go on a vacation with your family. I'm not working out on a vacation with my family. You know, uh, you would we would take off a Christmas break or just after football season. You've been working your, you know, for three, four, five months. Now it's a break, and you just want to take a little break. And so you would two, three, four, four weeks, and then it was time to get back in the weight room. And you get back in the weight room that first time, and you try to go out. You weren't quite as strong as you were before, but you understood that. But what happened the next day? Unbelievable pain. I mean, I remember there were times I couldn't lift my arms above my shoulders. And I just, everything felt sore because what happened in the body? You're making little tears in your muscles. And the blood flow comes from it. And the repairing of that actually is what made you stronger. It was a little bit of loss for a lot of gain. That was what Herod couldn't grasp. We, we understand this in business, right? Who can start a business without significant investment? Who can who can make money in the stock market investing zero dollars, right? We understand that we have to risk a bill. Have you seen that yet in all your years as a CPA? You seen anybody get money from nothing? Doesn't happen. I was hoping he'd say yes because I was going to ask him how they did it, but it doesn't happen. We understand that we have to give a little bit to gain a whole lot. Uh we even see that in uh, agriculture and the things that feed our planet. As we have this little seed that goes into the ground and dies. I made that analogy one time, and Terry, Terry kind of nerded out on me a little bit and said, Friar, that technically isn't what happened. It doesn't really die. It's just, and he told me, I don't remember what it was, but all of us understand that something dies in this ground, and from it, life springs forth, right? Jesus even talks about this mustard seed the Bible tells us that generosity is the exact same. Bill, I didn't put these in there, but if you turn over to Luke 6. Chapter, I mean, verse 37. So Luke chapter 6, verse 37. This is a familiar scripture. Um, So if you don't turn there, you're not going to... Be left out. You probably have heard this before, but it says, Jesus is talking, he says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus talks about the fact that when we give, we get back more than we gave. A generosity is the same. It's not a zero-sum game, meaning I give $6. Now I don't have $6. Jesus says, actually, you're going to see something different. <clears throat> I use that story because I heard a pastor one time talk about just becoming a Christian and feeling it in church. He was in college, so he went to church, and he felt like God told him to give everything in his wallet and it was only six dollars and he felt foolish because it was only six dollars but it was also his lunch money for he was going to go out to eat after church on his way back uh, so it was kind of a double whammy and uh, he told the story so he's kind of wrestling with God and he's kind of this new Christian he's feeling his conviction for the first time and so he goes up to this lady that he felt like he was supposed to give this to and he says oh, I'm sorry and he's like I, I just I feel like I'm supposed to give this to you and I feel a little silly but you know I feel like i got to do what God told me to do. So here's six bucks. And the lady starts crying. He thought he'd offended her. And then she's like, no, you don't understand. I didn't have enough gas to, to get the church in back. But I felt I got to to come to church. So I came to church. And now I have money to buy gas for way back. And like how great he felt. He said, then someone came up to me from the church, not knowing I'd done that, and invited him out to lunch. He makes a joke. He's like, the best thing is I got something that costs $11. <laughs> so, uh, but he talks about that. And, and, and we know those stories. We can tell those stories. We also see Paul talking about it in Second Corinthians 8. Actually, I think it's First Corinthians 8. But I'm going to double check myself. No, 2 Corinthians 8. Should have gone with my instincts. Verse 9 and 10. For you know the grace our Lord Jesus Christ gave, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through you his poverty might become rich. And here's my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were. The first, not only to give, but also had the desire to do so. Now finish the work. Paul's talking to this church who has shown generosity and encouraged them to continue because he uses an example from Jesus. Jesus actually became poor so that you could be rich. That Jesus did that, became that for you so that you could, A, know that it had been done. Jesus came and did it for you and that he's going to give more. <clears throat> and we see that throughout Scripture. What did God tell Abraham? I'm about to bless you. Why? So that you could be a blessing for the nations that God gives so that we can give. It's how God designed the world. Can you imagine how Herod's life would be different if he actually welcomed Jesus? If he actually, the world. I just have this little bit of power here. How God would have blessed Herod's life had he been willing to just come and actually worship the promised Messiah rather than feel threatened by it. Hanging on to life, what little life he had, what little power he had, what little bit of stuff he had, uh, leads to death. Death. But we see that risking a little bit leads to life. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus actually said, I have all the power in the world, but I'm about to lay it down so that we can have life. It's the reason, James, as we, were, as we gathered this morning, one reason we we're saying, come, Lord Jesus, come, is because we were going through the devotional this morning as a worship team. And that scripture just kind of led us there. Uh I didn't tell James or Orwell this, but I was singing the same song in my head. I think because that song was written from that scripture that we read this morning. But um, God tells us, you know, in that, that, or James brought up in that, that we don't uh, ever get to work, get to think of Christmas without thinking of Easter. And I love the theological symbol of both the Advent candle and the communion. The only reason this is important is because that happened in all that happened in between, right? God lived this sin, sinless life that we couldn't live. Hanging on to what little bit of life that we do have leads to death, but risking a little death, just like in the working out, just like in investments, just like in life, generosity is the same way. Giving a little bit can lead or does lead to big life. And so that's the second point actually, is that generosity endures. Now, we can see that theologically because what Jesus did in that generous manner in which he gave himself to us endures. And we know that we have eternal life through that. We're sitting here thousands of years later talking about this because it, that act of generosity endures. It lives beyond who we are. And we can tell tons of stories about that, right? Joseph was being sold into slavery. Actually, he was going to be killed. And he had one brother who stepped in who loved him and said, no, let's not kill him. Let's have a different one act of generosity. What did it do? It led to the salvation of his entire family some years later because God had a different plan. And now, He's head, second in charge in Egypt, and he's able to have the means and resources to save his family. If his brother had not intervened in that act of, kind of weird to call it generosity, right? Let's sell him into slavery instead of kill him. But it was better, and it actually saved our whole family. We can tell stories from, you may can tell stories from your own life about how someone's generosity changed and affected you. And it's still affecting you to this day. I can show you videos of families that have been changed because people in another country gave money so they could have clean water. So they didn't die of communicable diseases that come through having unclean water. And their families were changed because of someone's generosity. We understand this concept that our generosity can live beyond us. Here's the, here's the other thing about that many families were affected because of his uh, choice, choices. Uh, But the interesting thing about uh, Herod versus Jesus, the generosity versus the lack thereof, is one of those things inspires us, right? Nobody is inspired by a person who doesn't give. Nobody's inspired by a person who isn't generous with their life, with their money, with their time, whatever. The story... Excuse me, the stories that are told from platforms, be it, <clears throat> be it business seminars or church meetings, are about people who were willing to take risk and generously give, and it transformed things. It's what inspires us to like, say, man, I want to be better. I want to do that. I remember being 14 years old and seeing a video of a missionary, I was probably 13 actually at the time. And seeing video of people who went to this third-world country and were doing work that was changing someone's life. That inspired me. It inspired me to go home and ask my mom and dad, hey, can I go? Can I go be a person who does something like that? And I did. They were crazy. I've told you all that story before. They let me go by myself, 14 years old, down to Venezuela for a month. That's the kind of stuff that inspires more acts of generosity. When I was in my mid, uh, when I was in my early 30s, Natalie and I moved down to Tampa to help plant a church. And the, and the main kind of guy with his church plant had written a series of books about, and he coined this phrase called servant evangelism. The whole idea was, what does it look like for us to do random small acts of kindness and just tell people, hey, this is just one way, a simple way to tell people that God loves you. And there were stories of in the community where this initially happened of, like, they would just pay for somebody's, like, meal behind them in a fast food line or in a Starbucks line. They paid for somebody's coffee behind them. There There were, like, news, like, crews that came out and was telling stories about how, for like, the next three hours, like, everybody just paid for the next person. Like, one person's generosity inspired the next person to be generous, which inspired the next person to be generous. And it inspires it inspired somebody. Nobody looks at a, at a car thief or a bank robber and says, well, That's an inspiration. They just took whatever they wanted from somebody in a very ungenerous manner. And I want to be just like that for Well, I mean, it's, maybe some people do, but those aren't the people that inspire any of us, right? The people who are generous with their life because that generosity kind of endures. In the same way that Christ's generosity, to come from a perfect place and enter into this unbelievably messed up situation so that we could have eternal life and live with him. It's an inspiration to us. It is endured. It's what propels us. It's why we sing in that first line of that song, whose name I forget, but we're about to sing it, so you're going to remember it in a second, where it talks about the thrill of hope so weary world rejoices that we were weary because we could not do it. And then Christ breaks in and there's this thrill of us, hope that we are actually not going to have to do this on our own. And so the last thing that we can say about generosity is that it transforms. And this is not a Christmas time of year kind of generosity because in the Bible, you know, we can go through scriptures and we can, we can all go to scriptures in the Old Testament and talk about giving one-tenth of ourself. But the truth is, God wants ten-tenths. He wants the whole thing. It's not that, hey, I'm willing to give you this and that's generous. Generosity actually isn't one-tenth. Generosity is ten-tenths. It's being willing to look at the person and work of Jesus Christ who came and said, I'm willing to give everything these people to inspire us to be people who say, I'm going to give everything, trusting that God's word is true and that we're not going to give into a void that's not going to be returned. That actually when Jesus said, give and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together and overflowing, what that means is if I give my time when I don't have it, And I want to be able to find the resources necessary to be able to do that. God will bless me with those. And it's easy to be generous when we look at the shepherd king that we talked about last week and say, God's given to us so that we can give. I have time only because God gave it to me. And if it's money, I have resources to give financially only because God blessed me. And it's when we begin to think, well, I've made this time, and I've made this money, and I've made this room on my own. And we start saying, so I can do what I want to with it. But when we realize that Jesus was a shepherd king who came and gave himself for us and gave us all that we have, can we be really generous and give ten-tenths of all that we have? And if God says, hey, I want you to do this, we can we'll only do it in trust and when we give, whatever it may be, the space in our homes, the time in our lives, the money in our pockets, the ear. And we really, I'm tired of listening to people today. I've heard too much of you, you people, not you guys. But in the end of some days as a dad, I get home and I'm like, man, I've heard enough. And Ben wants to tell me every detail of everything that happened today. As fast as possible. And all I want to do is just listen to quiet. I've had a headache for three days. It has nothing to do with them. I think it's kind of sinus related and some uh, strain in my neck. And I think that's having something to do with it. But when, but when my kids are going, I just want to be like, I just want to like put something dark over my eyes and just hear the quiet and just. But trusting that God is actually going to bless me. That if I give that time, if I give that energy, if I give that money, if I give that space. What Jesus says in Luke 6 is true. And if I give, whatever it is, it's going to be given back to me, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. And I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I do. And sometimes I don't. And that's where we can very quickly just repent and say, God, at this moment in my life, I'm sorry I did not believe the truth of your word, the truth of the gospel, that told me if I give, that it's going to be given back to me. And in that moment, I had a moment of unbelief, so God, forgive me. Bring me back to the truth of who you are and what you've done. And so we can come from the expected hope of Advent to the table, the communion table, remembering the death and resurrection of Jesus Very quickly, I have this hope that I'm going to be better. But man, between here and here, I've blown it. And so, God, I need that. But I'm quickly going right back to the hope of what we gain from God coming into our world, coming into this world, showing us what it looks like to give ten-tenths. And guess what Jesus also did? He showed us what it looked like to be given back to, pressed down, shaken, gathered, and overflowing. Because when Jesus gave ten-tenths of himself, was it not returned? Was he not giving life and light to the full, right? If we don't see that in Jesus, goodness gracious, what can we see it in? And so this little story of Herod actually shows us what it looks like when we don't. We can go to plenty of scriptures and show, okay, this is what it looks like our generosity. But God has designed a kingdom of generosity. And when we don't, we see death, and maybe not physical death like Herod did. We see death come into our life because we aren't living into the fullness of what God has for us. But we can live generous lives, and that's from a financial standpoint, that's from a time standpoint, that's from a listening standpoint, capacity in my brain standpoint, whatever it is that I don't have enough of, and someone's asking for, we can give. And what better time to remember that we can give than now? But it's not just a Christmas thing. All week long, we are going, whether it's the middle of June or the middle of December. All our lives, we're going from the hope of Advent to the reality that we needed Jesus to come. <clears throat> and when we break down in the middle and feel like, "Oh, I did it on my own," no, I got to repent. Jesus, you came and you did everything for me, and that is the reason that we come and we get to celebrate. <clears throat> but it's also the hope that we can share. But those who don't yet even know this is true. I don't even believe it. I was listening to a radio show. I mean, just another kind of reminder that there. Uh, I still get locked into the southern kind of mentality because this is where I was born and raised and lived my whole life in the southern United States. I get locked in this mentality that everybody's a believer and everybody understands the story. And they don't. And it's becoming more and more and more. Like it's creeping in more and more. And so we have to be people who are willing to share this story because I was even reminded, I was listening to the radio the other day, like they was talking about a song and it was the song, Mary, Did You Know? They didn't even know it was a song. Like they were all talking about, okay, who is that? And like, what is Because somebody was doing like a, a parody of it, not in a sacrilegious way. It was a, kind of a funny contest they were doing. And someone used that tune and none of the guys knew it. They're like, is that a, you know, like this is supposed to be Christmas song? Is that a Christmas song? Like, Like somebody had to call, like the people had no clue. And I was like, holy cow, what are you talking about? You have no clue. Like I just was reminded that there are people who have had no engagement with that and they need to know the hope that that, that comes with that baby being born to Mary because one day he would end up here. And that's the whole reason we get to get together and celebrate. And we get to share that hope with people. And guess what? When we are generous people, people see that because people aren't generous any longer I don't know if they ever were our bend is to not be generous and so when we are in a world that, that isn't generous with our time they ask questions, why in the world would you give your time to do that, why would you help your neighbor cut his grass, why would you whatever, man that was really nice, but why in the world would you do that well I wouldn't try or wouldn't but Jesus lives in me and he would and we get to tell them the hope that happens in our lives the reality of Jesus coming into our world and so this morning we get to go with that idea in our brains that we get to be generous people and we get to give us try it try to outgive god and see what god can do with what you with what you have what you think you gave away the pat on the back you want to give yourself cuz man i really i really did something good today i gave away all my time all the time that God gave me. And he's actually going to give it back, pressed down, shaken together and overflowing. We get to walk out of here with that hope and that assurance. And so this morning as we come to the table to thank God for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves, we get to come with that generosity, this idea of generosity in our hearts and minds. Pray that God would show you where and how you can be generous even today to help display His kingdom to someone who doesn't yet know Him. Let's pray. God, if Your Word is true and we believe it is, You told us that we don't even know how to love except for the fact that You first loved us. God, we don't know what generosity is until we look at Your Son and see a model of generosity was given to us. And we really never want to be generous. Mm-hmm. We want to hang on to everything we have. But God, you've given us proof time and time again that we can't be more generous than you have been to us. We can't outgive you. So God, let us as Mosaic be people who give 10 tenths. And when we do, God, would you bring conversations from others who don't yet know you. to so why we would do that. And give us an opportunity to tell of all the good things you've done for us and all the ways that you provided for us. And so it's only through that provision that we can give. And may that be an inspiration that brings other people, even in the upstate here, to know you and to know your love. And it may be that they saw a bad example of it growing up, and they may not be coming back to it for. They may not be coming to it for the first time. They may be coming back to it because they've seen actually the kingdom of God lived out with the people who love you. God, may we be the people who love you, who give generously in ways that inspire questions that give opportunities to share the gospel, the truth of the gospel with others. God, we. Are so thankful for all that you have done and for all that you give us, and God. This morning we do lift up members of Mosaic who aren't here this morning because of pain or for sickness. God, we pray that you would be with Mary and Alan this morning, that you would bring healing to their bodies, God, that you would provide for them in the way that they need this morning. God, we lift up our friend Terry, our brother who is in pain and is eagerly waiting for a surgery. And there seems to be roadblocks each time. And so, God, we pray that you would work, that you would move, that you would heal. And God, that you would make yourself known to Terry this morning. God, we even pray for my family who just has a little stomach bug. God, but would you heal and bring healing. Would you show my children that you're a God who heals? God, for those who aren't here this morning that I don't even know about, or maybe they are here and they're dealing with something, God, would you you show yourself to be the Prince of Peace this morning? Would you show yourself to be the, the Great Physician? God, would you show yourself to be the King of Kings? Shepherd King, the healer, the righteous judge, whatever it is, where it is needed, God, would you provide? We pray. And God, as we come to this table, would you reveal yourself to us in a new way? Would you show us today how we can be generous? God, would you let that be a display of your kingdom to someone who does not yet know you today? We pray. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information, please visit us at www.mosaiceasley.org.